Hixton is a quaint English village about 70 kilometers north of London. The town began sometime before 1086, and in 1846, the St. Peter's Parish Church was built on a hill near the edge of town. A cemetery covers the church's grassy landscape overlooking the Hixton village. It was on the church grounds that Alfred Bard found himself on the evening of May 8, 1885. Alfred was a gardener, and he had decided to pass through the church grounds on his way home as he had done many times before. But as he enjoyed the tranquil environment, his eye caught a figure at the square tomb of a Mr. Freville. As he walked towards the tomb, he recognized Mrs. Freville in a black dress standing in front of the stone structure. Alfred knew Mrs. Freville well, as he had worked for her in the past. Mrs. Freville looked as she always did, except that she looked quite pale at that time. Alfred assumed that Mrs. Freville had come to visit her husband's grave and wanted to enter the mausoleum, which was normal for the time period. But Mrs. Freville said nothing to Alfred, which he thought was strange. She just stared at him as he walked closer and closer. Finally, Alfred walked to the far side of the tomb to see if its gate was open. The gate was locked tight and there was no key in the latch. Alfred walked around again to tell Mrs. Freville she could not enter the tomb unless she had a key for the gate, but Mrs. Freville had vanished. It was nearing 9.30 in the evening when Alfred arrived home and he mentioned to his wife that he had seen Mrs. Freville at the church. It wasn't until the next morning when word arrived that Mrs. Freville had died in London the day before, early in the afternoon. She had died alone in a hotel room and was not discovered until around 6 p.m. The only other detail of her death was that she was wearing a black dress. My name is Scott Bryan. I'm an archaeologist and also an anthropologist. I have spent years studying paranormal phenomena, and I would like to welcome you to the Ghostology Podcast. Is anyone there? We want to make contact with you. We want to share your story. We're going to seek the truth no matter where we find it. Everyone's got a ghost story. I'd like to tell you mine. And the look on his face was a look of shock. First thing I did was go over to him and say, are you okay? I want you to breathe. Welcome to Ghostology. Welcome to this episode of Ghostology. My name is Scott Bryan, and on this episode, I would like to talk about something that I call crisis events. So, for example, Alfred Bard saw the ghost of Mrs. Freville. Of course, at the time, he was unaware that she was a ghost. He didn't know that she had literally died hours before. In this sense, the spirit of Mrs. Freville was visiting the tomb of her husband, who had died many years before. It makes one speculate that possibly, soon after death, when the spirit is separated from the body, there is a period where the spirit lingers and is able to make contact with the living. This certainly seems to be the case with Alfred Bard and Mrs. Freville. And I've heard versions of this story many times from people I've come in contact with who say they have had paranormal experiences soon after the death of a loved one. So let's talk more about crisis events. 
Death is a part of life. Everyone must die. But as an anthropologist and a paranormal investigator, I have noticed that generally, when death comes, there is an increased probability of paranormal activity. Now, what I mean by that is that in a short amount of time before or after death, people related to the deceased have a greatly increased chance of having supernatural experiences. Now, the same can be said with other major life events, such as births, religious rites, marriages, divorces, accidents, family reunions, and during illnesses. In my research, I have named these times crisis events, which are increased paranormal activities associated with any life experience or event that has a strong impact either physically or emotionally. Crisis events come in many forms, such as electrical interference, audible phenomena, physical manifestations, visitations, precognitions, premonitions, clairvoyance, and coincidences. Let me give a personal example. I was eight days shy of my seventh birthday when my grandfather, who lived with my family, suddenly passed away from heart problems. I remember it being so fast, and at my young age, it was hard to comprehend what it all meant. I just knew that one evening, I went to bed without concern, and the next morning, my Grandpa John was dead. My parents kept most of the details of his death from my siblings and me for some time, and it was not until I was much older that my mother began to reveal them. There was nothing out of the ordinary. My grandfather woke that night with chest pains. My father drove him to the hospital. The doctors examined him and found that he had an enlarged heart. At the time, they believed he would be fine, but in the end, he wasn't and he died. This tale could be retold thousands of times by families across the United States. And though his death was personal to me, there was nothing out of the ordinary about his passing. He just died. Or so I thought. So the factual details of my grandfather's passing are unremarkable. But as I said many years later, my mother told me of the events leading up to his death. Now my grandmother had died 10 years earlier. I knew almost nothing about her. For whatever reasons, Grandpa rarely spoke of her. I don't remember any images of her around the house, only in forgotten photo albums. But a week before, my mother was surprised when he began to pull out old photos and reminisce of good times when he and my grandmother were young. The night that Grandpa was taken to the hospital, we believe that he sat at his desk and viewed those images for hours before waking my father to take him to the hospital. Of course, he was having chest pains that night, and possibly earlier in the week as well, though he never mentioned it and never complained. But then there was that visit to the cemetery. Just days before his death, Grandpa, with my father, visited the grave of my grandmother. And as they stood and reflected, my grandfather said, I wonder how long until I'm here. This statement was uh, very unlike him. My father reassured him that it would be a long while, and he was only in his mid-60s. Individually, these accounts are not extraordinary. It seems obvious that he was lonely and missed his wife that he had loved so deeply. But is it possible that he had had a premonition about what was about to happen? I could overlook those details as circumstantial. But then there was the doorbell that night after his death. 
The first night after my grandfather's death, my parents had gone to bed, understandably saddened and still in shock from his sudden passing. But they were startled when our home's doorbell went off and stuck twice during the night. Now, this was not a teenage prank. And the doorbell did not just go off, but it actually got stuck making an irritating metallic grind between the ding and the dong. And this happened twice. My parents can verify that the doorbell has never repeated that malfunction in over 30 years. So is it just a coincidence that this happened on the night after his passing? Though these things are hard to measure statistically, I believe that crisis events are widespread and common. One survey conducted by the Gallup organization in 2005 found that 73% of people in the United States believed in some type or aspect of the paranormal, such as ghosts. And on a global scale, all around the world, cultures contain beliefs regarding the soul after death. In fact, most cultures have specific beliefs on how long the soul lingers with the living from death until it passes over into the afterlife. The story of the healing of Lazarus in the New Testament is an example. Now, Jewish beliefs at the time said that the spirit would linger near the body for three days. Jesus did not raise Lazarus from the dead until the fourth day to illustrate that Lazarus' spirit had crossed over into the afterlife and then was compelled to return to the body once he was completely dead. Though anecdotal, this Bible story supports the idea of crisis events because it illustrated that the Jews believed there was a possible period of increased paranormal activity within the first three days of death. Examples from the lives of other famous people can also be found that support my crisis event theory. On November 30, 1835, Samuel Clemens was born in Missouri. Now today, Samuel is better known as the American writer Mark Twain. Much has been written about the life of Mark Twain, but like other famous persons from the 1800s, such as Abraham Lincoln, Queen Victoria, and Thomas Edison, many biographies ignore the fact that Twain also had a lifelong interest and fascination with the supernatural. In 1858, at the age of 22, Samuel Clemens was working on the riverboat called the Pennsylvania. It was built in 1854, and it was capable of carrying a full 486 tons of cargo. The Pennsylvania sailed up and down the Mississippi River, visiting many cities and ports. It was hard work, but it must have also been an exciting life for a young man who wanted to explore the cities of the southern United States. Samuel was also able to get a position for his younger brother, Harry Clemens, as the mud clerk on the Pennsylvania. In June of 1858, Samuel disembarked the boat to visit his sister, but his brother, Henry, was not released and remained on the Pennsylvania to work. During his visit to his sister, he writes of a vivid dream where he witnessed the lifeless body of his brother in a casket, supported by two chairs in the parlor of his sister's home. The dream was so real that after waking, he ran into the room expecting to find the body of his brother, but found nothing. Later, he found that his brother was fine and still on board the Pennsylvania. Samuel said the dream was unlike any he had ever had, and it took him a while to convince himself that it was a dream. Unfortunately, weeks later, Samuel, on board another vessel, learned that the Pennsylvania had in fact exploded due to a boiler malfunction. 
His brother Henry survived the initial blast, but died 16 days later. Samuel rushed back to his sister's home and was able to witness his brother's last hours of life. The next day, grief-stricken, he found his brother's body in the same casket, supported by two chairs in his sister's parlor, just as he had seen in his dream. The vision of his brother's death haunted Samuel Clemens for the rest of his life, but it also influenced his future life as Mark Twain to investigate the paranormal. In 1885, he became a member of the American Society for Psychical Research and is reported to have had frequent seances and met with mediums throughout his life. Now a final story. Through my group, the Southeast Idaho Paranormal Organization, we are contacted and speak with many people in the Idaho area. One woman in particular was a co-worker of one of our members. She worked at a major chain store, and she told one of our members the following experience. I will call this woman Cindy. Cindy worked hard, and she was a divorced mother with a son. When this son was in his early 20s, unfortunately, he was killed in a car accident. Cindy, of course, was absolutely devastated by her son's passing. She mourned for weeks. Even after the funeral, she could not bring herself to accept her son's death. It was about two weeks after the funeral when Cindy came home and she found there was a message on her phone's message system. Now, this was back in the late 80s when people had messaging machines that contained little cassette tapes. People would call in and it would go to the answering machine. But as she listened to the messages, she was absolutely stunned when she found a very small, faint voice on a particular message. It simply was a voice, a male voice, that said, Mom, I'm okay. That was the entire message. But she knew this was her son contacting her from the spirit world. She was able to save this tape and we were able to listen to it with our own ears. Now, in many instances, as a paranormal investigator, it's my job to be skeptical. But in this case, I cannot believe that Cindy would have made this story up about her deceased son. It was simply too personal to base a hoax around. So, do I believe in crisis events? I absolutely do. I believe that they are more common than anyone would ever believe. I think everyone listening to this podcast, either personally or within your close family, if you search, you can find strange events that have occurred around deaths, births, other important life events. In the end, I have found that these paranormal experiences actually give great hope to people. I know it did for Cindy. That recording helped her get over her son's death and actually have hope for the future and even what comes after this life. If you've had an experience like this, we would love to hear about it. You can always email your experiences to us at ghosts at ghostology.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ghostology. Would you like more Ghostology? Please check back for future episodes. Also, check for my books at Amazon.com, available now. Ghostology, Tales from a Decade of Paranormal Investigation, Volume 1, Ghostly Attacks. Ghostology, Tales from a Decade of Paranormal Investigation, Volume 2, Ghosts of the Former Idaho Territory. And finally, Ghostology, 
Based on Actual Events, Volume 1, Haunted Youth. Music on this podcast included Nightmares and Cursed Stories by Mayu Nicholas Gasparini. For more music from Mayu, go to his website at thedarkpiano.com.